Hi, I'm Aaron and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, where we explore, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I'll be interviewing the best artists in the game while also taking some time to appreciate some new and classic albums. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming news and guests. Also, don't forget to check out my new Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle that will give you exclusive content and help me keep the show running and getting better. All right, let's get into it. And so we're live. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. We've actually got the first two-time guest on the podcast. So Carl Lucas breaking new ground and he's come for a very, very special edition of the podcast. Uh, If you haven't learned, listen to the last one, go back, listen to it. We actually do a deep dive into Kyle and, and his, his career and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the podcast, I always ask the same question. What is one album that you recommend everybody should listen to at least once doesn't have to be hip hop, but Kyle did come out with a hip hop, album that I'd never listened to. That is Outcast Equimini dropping in 1998. And Kyle coming from Atlanta, um, obviously Outcast being Atlanta natives also just influenced him to, to a point where that was the album that he he recommended. So we're going to do a couple things. We're obviously going to dive, dive into the history of uh, the album um, the influence on Kyle, and then we're going to try and do a top five, uh, which was, I'm not going to lie, very, very, very difficult. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I'm pretty much the co-host now, right? So I broke the record too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, to be honest, there's less of me interviewing now. It's just us talking. And that is, to be honest, I think you've started a new platform for like a new style of podcast. It's the All fan right. versus the artist to see uh, which songs uh, come out on top. Absolutely. And I think it's I think it should. Uh, the reason we even started talking about this album, because like you said, you ask everyone that question and I just in, in, instantly answered. And that was just like and you were saying, whoa, that was kind of kind of quick. Right. But- yeah. Most people take like you, you hear and they're like, oh, damn uh and it's just silence and so i have to feel the space whereas for you you were instantaneous it was the fastest i've ever seen absolutely so uh yeah so this album is a very very important album to me um i grew up in greater atlanta you couldn't not feel the effect when this album came out i think i was in sixth or seventh grade so i was very young you know and I was very young in in the beginning of my formative years, and it had such an impact on not only me, my friends, the city, and Outkast has won best album of the year for uh, Speaker Box Love Below, first rap group to ever do that. Normally, it's just the best rap album. You win a Grammy for best song or performance, a duo. They actually like beat Nora Jones and stuff for like their, that's the first time that's ever happened. So obviously then they are worldwide famous at this point with like, Hey, yeah, but this album is their third album. Uh, still relatively young guys. I'm assuming in their, the first one was when they were 18. So 23, 24. Yeah. They were born in 75. Both of them were born in 75. So this released in 98, but uh, like real quick. So, sorry, what did you say? 
do the mental math how we're yeah how old. i think 23 they were that australian public school system <laughs> yeah so they were 23 i mean i'm 27 right now and i can't even formulate a proper sentence so so also when listening and i'm so excited you got to experience this by the way even when i posted my thing on instagram i had multiple hit people hit me back saying oh my god to listen to this album for the first time i'm jealous uh, i wish i i know this album like the back of my hand every single one of my friends do i have lawyers friends i have accountant friends everyone who you would not expect and they can quote these every lyric so what i'm saying is like i'm very jealous that you got to spend the last six weeks um getting to know the one the best album in music in my opinion obviously that's subjective but i think it was also a, something to be said about chronological chronologically in my life you know coming into it i was rhyming then but I still hadn't obviously found I was in sixth, seventh grade. So it's like, how much could you actually be rhyming or even taking it serious? Everyone I knew rap. So it wasn't like a, a big deal. This album really strong is a very stronghold of how Atlanta separated itself from New York or West Coast in hip hop. It was just Biggie and Dre and Tupac. And it was just forever. And then this album, the South was kind of more known for booty shake music like Miami, uh, and then there's So So Deaf All-Stars, Jermaine Dupri in Atlanta. And it was very dance, skating, uh, roller rink type music. And this album put, uh, I mean, everyone thinks we're slow, right? In, in, in the South, in Georgia. This, everyone thinks our draw, they call us Bama's, like we're, we're not intelligent. And the music wasn't, the music coming out of Atlanta before this, before Dungeon Family and Outkast was very just like party you go down to Atlanta to have a party. This one separated as far as musicianship, live instruments on every album. And then also, um, I mean, I mean, as we'll go into the lyrics later of each songs that you pick, but I mean, the lyricism on this is top 10, top 10. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about this album and we'll talk about production the whole way through is that the beats are so interesting. And I was actually recommended to listen to this album when I was, younger and i remember trying but i hadn't listened to enough hip-hop to really know what i was listening to so okay. it's like it was like literally i tried to listen to uh a couple of tracks and they just i don't know what it was it just didn't hit so i never listened to it again and i reckon i was like 16 it just didn't hit me like i hadn't listened to enough to really understand what was going on my ear wasn't attuned to the the complexities because also what year is that right if you're only uh you yeah, are still so probably... that's like 11 years ago so 2010 probably around that period of time shout out to australian public school you got the fucking mental math down son. <laughs> <laughs> but also then you can kind of there and i was trying to think about even how to put this into words for someone who's never heard or have the trained ear i guess but there is sonically something different with nowadays everything's so digitized everything's so processed everything this you can tell that um you know uh mr dj and andre 3000 and big did the majority of the beats on this album organized noise did their whole first album part of at aliens but then they started really getting into production so that's the earth tone three is all three of them who handled the bulk of this album which is kind of risky right like to not have your original producers organized noise that got you everything all the older you know albums to kind of go off on your own and you could tell at that age they're experimenting with a bunch of stuff um uh 
I know this is right when Andre started dating Erica Badu, started, I, I think he went vegan this album. I think uh, it's very, they're just coming into young men, right? And, and everything that we all do at 23, 24 and documenting it so well. But to, I say all that to say about my original point with the music, sonically, there is something different with the drums uh, on an MPC. And it's, you can, they're like dustier. They have like a warmth or like a feel. Maybe that's like the best adjective that I can use when describing when beats or drums to the common, to the, the common man who has no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, now everything's done on computers, but this is when you're feeling out the beats and it's more record. It's very dusty organic and warm on top of that using live instruments for every album which is insane like having musicians come in you there is something to be said about analog recording live instruments this was a hybrid of digital and live instruments uh because the beats were done on an mpc which is a, a drum machine but everything else seems very live kind of off the cuff if it is quantized into a, a um a rhythm it sounds like it sounds like live instruments. It sounds like live a band is playing throughout the whole thing, which is very rare nowadays. Yeah. Do you think the weird thing is it feels weirdly unorganized and organized at the same time? Like I, I listen to it and I'm like, it seems like they felt around and they were like, oh, this works. And then they just went for it. Like it's, right. it feels very much like there was so much instinct in this that they would just feel something. They feel that it's right and they go for it. There's no second guessing. And if they have a long outro, they have a long outro. If they have a strange instrument, they have a strange instrument that plays. Yeah. Like when harmonic, the harmonica played in Rosa Parks, I was yeah. actually like, holy shit, how many hip hop tracks have a yeah. harmonica live in the song? I can't think of any others. And the break the breakdown at the end to bring the hook back, but then do the breakdown. I actually last night I briefly prepared for this, so forgive me if it's not like as detailed as everyone expects it to be. But I just know the album so well too, so I can com- kind of comment. But I actually rewatched the video for Rosa Parks, and uh, that was their first single off this album, and it was right. It captures everything about who Outkast is gonna be. Like it's right when Dre started uh, dressing, dressing different. And he described it as, I just want to sound like the music does. Like you said, very chaotic, very uh, just go with your feeling. And um, when they shot the second single, Skew It on the Barbie, shout out to Australia. uh, (laughs) When they shot that with Raekwon, they shot that at the Tabernacle, which is a very famous, my favorite venue in Atlanta. It's an old church and it holds about 3000 people, but that's the one where they bought, brought Raekwon from Wu-Tang on and they shot the video. And um, from what I, what I know and what I've heard um, from them, that was when, if you look at the video, Dre comes on in all white fuzzy shorts, ski boots, shirtless with a blonde platinum wig on. And I think he turned to Rico Wade, who is part of organized noise. And he goes, uh, you, th- you think they're going to like this because the crowd is 3000 people are there to shoot the video for outcast hometown heroes at this point and it is packed. And he, they, he goes, yo, they're either going to boo the shit out of you or they're going to love you. And you can hear the crowd when he walks on that. They're just like, okay, they're making their names as not just trying. I know they're influenced by far side. I know they're in- very heavily in- influenced by tribe, but this is like, oh, okay, this is its own thing. They're setting themselves apart, which comes a lot of criticism, backlash for that. And, and I, we'll talk about that on one of the songs. He addresses that at the beginning of the album. 
but he did this in 98 which is wild. Now you see a million rappers with nails painted, very androgynous, but, you know, still being termed called gay. This was a very big thing, especially in Atlanta. Like it was a very big thing. You still got it. And then having someone being the first, you know, cowboy over the hill, so to say, you know, the first one laying, I mean, his babies, you can look at all these rappers now and it's just like, Oh, okay. This is the album where they all came into themselves. And uh Yeah. That's all I gotta say about that. Cause yeah, I yeah, I think and and just for a background of like knowing in the time period of where hip hop sits, like this is '98, so you know the miseducation of Lauren Hill drops, um, Tribe's new album drops, and they're literally competing with you know some classic albums, and this comes out there as one of the classic albums. We can just say that right now after after yeah. listening to it that um, and. And as you said, like the the whole fashion is part of what made Outkast so great. Is that not only do you listen to their music, but when you see them, they're so recognizable. And the the real props goes out to both of them for being who they are. Like they never hid from being who they are. And you know, you think about '98, '98 in terms of where you know black rights are you think about how we look at homosexuality how we look at the lgbtq movement none of that really exists at that time at that time it is way different it is way way scarier to come out and especially in a mainstream format as well absolutely and them being the um poster children of atlanta sounding so also it's 98. It's very, you know, Biggie and Pac just died, you know, 96, 97 just died. And then this year is a young crop. Cannabis came out. Big Punk came out. DMX came out. Noriega. They had that infamous source cover. So it's very, that's very astonished. Uh, that's very um, solidifying the sound of hip hop in 98. Right. Them being representing Atlanta coming completely left field it could have gone the way rico even said in that video they're gonna hate you or they're gonna love you and it's clear that it really everyone loved them after this because of being so unique i mean this is the uh quintessential group of mcs where it comes from if you look if you listen to dungeon family their group um everyone sounds different right? Everyone sounds different. And they come from, and I know personally from Big Boy's standpoint is that this was not copying. If you, nowadays, every song sounds the same. Every song has this auto-tune, so it even makes it more chromatically correct. It's just every song sound kind of sounds the same from every new artist. This is, to the truest sense of the word, it, you were called a biter, you know, with Wu-Tang had the song Shark Biters. You, you would not celebrate it if you came out and sounded exactly like the song on the radio. So, Talk about true art artisan, right? True artist is finding yourself, coming up with something, and then developing your style, developing, but it's uniquely your own. And if you look at Dungeon Family, I and mean, they succeeded in all that. Every single one from CeeLo to Witch Doctor to Cool Breeze to Outcast to Big Gip, everyone is so unique. Big Rube, you know, it's like everyone's so unique. So there's something to be said about that, I think, as well. Well, I was going to actually say... Uh, later when we, I'm sure we'll talk about liberation at some point, but CeeLo, I didn't realize was actually a rapper before he became a singer. So there are, you can actually hear him rap and his voice is so interesting. It's like the strangest sounding voice, but he's got bars. 
Like he is actually amazing. Oh my God. And say that, that I didn't know. I didn't know you didn't know that either. Uh, you know, he's from Goody Mob. And even though the first time we heard Goody Mob or we heard CeeLo was on an Outcast record, he was singing great voice. It's very gospel, very soul, very Southern sounding uh, church esque. Like uh, you can't help but feel the soul in his performances. But um, I also know him from CeeLo from Goody Mob. And he's like, one of the dopest MCs. And so he later went on to say in drink champs when he was on with Noriega and saying that if he had one, they asked him if he had a regret, he did say, he said, I had one regret of I'm paraphrasing, but uh, I wish I would have developed me more as an MC to the public. Right. Cause once you hit Gnarls Barkley crazy beating the Beatles, you're out of here. And then you're on the show, the, the dance or whatever, the talent show, you just become like a pop icon, right? Yeah. Like you're bigger than that. But I remember CeeLo as the chubby dude with no shirt and gold fronts on, you know, in, in Goody Mob videos <laughs> rapping. So it's a, uh, it's, that's great that you, that you got to experience CeeLo rapping. Like that yeah. can't, so you got to hear Outcast for the first time, this album for the first time, I mean, and then also uh, experience some of what would become a superstar CeeLo. Yeah. I mean, cause this came out in 98. I was born in 94. So I was four when yeah. this dropped. So uh yeah and then obviously the first album i listened to was in 2003 so that's five years after this so just just a time perspective like this came out well before i was even aware hip-hop existed as a genre and then i was just and i didn't know i was thinking about this before i went to bed last night i was like i wonder why it didn't fit sonically and i reckon it was because i was used to listening to dr dre and east coast beats Those are the beats that I was so used to listening to. And this was a jump where 16 year old me was like, what is this shit? I like, it just made no sense because I was like, hip hop was defined in such a small bracket. Whereas now across the world, literally. Right. So like we had spoken on the last podcast, the way you guys even acquired albums, and this was still in the very physical realm. So you would have had to have gone above and beyond to acquire this album because the internet wasn't around really in 98, not really, you know what I mean? Not like as streaming as is, as what we know the internet now. So it, I mean, it literally would have to travel across the world. You would have to have sought out this album when I'm assuming it's, it would be like $40 there. So I'm assuming. It would, yeah. It I'm would. not sure how much it would have been, but like, it was definitely not on the radio. Like you right. can guarantee it's not on the radio. It's not like the, and you will talk about content, but content wise, it didn't have relevance for life in Australia. Like right. now right. we'll look at it and go, the relevance is relevant for everyone. But at the right. time, it's like they're talking about uniquely their challenges in their lives. And so in Australia at that time, hip hop isn't that big. Hip hop is definitely not on the radio. So it's like, so there's no way to almost stumble across it. You have to know what you're looking for in Australia. But, you know, I'm jealous that you got to listen to it and be in the Mecca. Like, see, that's my dream is like, I imagine you know, when Biggie drops his first album, imagine being in New York and just actually feeling that you got that feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was on the radio. All the, all the songs were, um, well, the singles then, cause then you just pick three singles, right? So they did the three singles and the videos, but, uh, everyone was playing it and, and it was, um, yeah, it was a moment that, uh, I'm jealous that you got to hear it for the first time, but you're right. Uh, now I could see how you, I was in the epicenter of when this album dropped and 
we also have to say before we dive into it, because we should probably get going into it. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, so when they won for um, Southern Playalistic at the source, they later sampled this on a Chunky Fire. But this is where they got booed. And this is where Dre says the, um, you know, the famous The South got something to say. And they later put that on this album at the end. That's them getting booed at like the 94 Source Awards. And that was like, or 95, so it's 95. Yeah, I think it was 95. In, in New York. And so that was, uh, you know, that was when Suge did his whole Tupac or, or his whole like a Puffy, you, you want to be dancing in the videos, come over to death row. There was a bunch of tension in the room. And then you had these four and they brought Goody Mob up there with them. But you had these like young Southern dudes getting no respect they did were no one wanted them to win that you can he, clearly hear them booing it and then big big says his piece and then dre just couldn't let it go and i think they were almost prophesizing what is about to happen you know and they were 20 years old and they had the the, the guts to go out and say that and then to deliver an album that was like literally prophesizing they literally said this is what we're going to do the south got something to say and they had something to say and they delivered that's i mean that's the, almost the most impressive thing is that very monumental moment especially for southern hip-hop it's ironic now that like every rapper is from atlanta now but we again before we go into this album this is 98 and before they had two albums and very much a regional act i think the tastemakers the source game four and a half mics and he talks about that on skewed on the barbie that whole thing and then this one got five this was got five mics in the source so that on top of it was like unheard of from for a southern group well i think uh that is a nice run up to to the first of of my top five i think the plan is uh carl is just gonna add to my top five and just kind of give us a bit more flavor and he's gonna give us his opinions on the songs and i'm gonna say straight up this was probably the hardest top five i've ever had to do because i was still even to this morning and it's 7 30 in the morning here in australia and to this morning, I wasn't sure which song would be my my top track. So I have no doubt that throughout my life, this will always will change a lot depending on how I feel. But uh, hopefully, there's a couple of surprises along the way and a couple of omissions. I think maybe there's a couple of omissions that will surprise. But I definitely have a few opinions on some tracks that aren't in my top five. Um, my favorite beat is not in the top five, all that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. I want, this is really interesting that you heard it for the first time in 2021. So I want to get that reaction of you, you listening to it for six weeks. So I think that's perfect. All right. So track number five, this was a hard one because this comes in at number five and it's a guaranteed five-star track. The Art of Storytelling Part 1 comes in at number five. And I know that this is one of the most popular songs on the album. It is an iconic song. And the I am a sucker for storytelling. Any yeah. song with storytelling, and they both show this is how to do it. Um, and you start with Big Boy. Big Boy is talking about, you know, his his experience with like a promiscuous woman and he's going through this journey. And to be honest, the reason this comes in at number five is because I'm not a huge fan of sex raps. Uh, I, I, that is, 
that is why this drops to number five. Had he given me something like Andre gave us, then it would be closer to number one, if not number one. So that is the only critique on this, but it's critique over content that I like. That's like a personal thing, not a technical thing. So, and, and the crazy thing is like, the lyrics that Andre delivers and the story that he tells is sad. Like I literally felt sad listening to this song and, and it gives you that like emotion. And, and you actually referenced this in our last chat, but you said the line, you know, <laughs> yeah. talking about what, w- this is a quote from Andre, obviously talking about what we want to be when we grow up. I said, what you want to be, she said alive. Come on, that's like incredible, right? I mean, just think of, and the crazy thing is this actually happened. Andre said that he was at, at school and this was an answer someone gave in a classroom. Mm-hmm. So this is a quote from a young girl who was asked what she wants to be when she grows up and she said alive. Imagine hearing that, like, it's just one of these ones where it just sits with you and it just shows the complexity of like being in that time period of not knowing what's going to happen with your life. And that line in itself merits a mention, but the whole verse where he's talking about how he's looking at her in her eyes where they separate. And then she, he hears about her and he hears that, uh, someone is treating her wrong. He hears that she passes away and it literally just is so sad. It's so evocative in its emotions. And that's why the big boy verse to me almost doesn't hit the same way because I'm gone from this sex love rap to this evocative emotional verse. And I'm like, technically it's perfect, but content wise, it just missed the the same content that Andre hit and that is no disrespect to big boy because he killed it but at the end of the day this is all about Andre like I think I think even to to counter and I totally agree and I think but to counter that you could even say that is the dichotomy between them being so different so Aquemini you know it's called Aquemini Aquarius and a Gemini they're so different and they're and they complement each other so well who's to say that's not the feeling of uh first you're going to the mall and you're dealing you know with your baby mama and you're dealing with this other girl that's what everyone i mean that's what you could say this could almost be the same person that doesn't negate you for dealing with some deeper shit so it's like almost how the artist storytelling how they did it so perfectly because you could have some person probably one person has felt the exact same way you deal with some real life shit and then you deal with some um surface level you could view it as surface level uh, you know, uh, sexual instincts as well. So it's like the same. Uh, I think, I think him saying, what do you want to be when you, and I, and she said alive, I think that one line could put him with like the Walt Whitman's, the Edgar Allan Poe's, all these, like, um, you're starting to, this is where he starts to, to really to develop his poetic skills where that if someone wasn't into hip hop or into this youth culture of Atlanta, but you put it on paper and you read that in a poetry class, it would be celebrated just as much. And I think that's the beauty of both of them as MCs. Yeah. I actually hadn't thought about the the contrast of that, like life of just a 
surface level and then the deeper level that that makes a lot of sense and um yeah i it's i think that it is it's like it's i feel almost a little bit bad for big boy because andre's verse is so iconic whereas big boy's verse is good but it's not iconic in the same way and but if any other rapper said that you would be like if you know what i mean like well that's part of being that everyone's always had big boys always dealt with because big boy is an insanely dope mc like insanely but you're also in a rap group with the best rapper ever so it's like it's almost like prodigy and mob deep yeah and havoc and we reviewed uh hell on earth just me and my friends and we had this conversation of like havoc is great but prodigy is is one of the greats of all time and so it's more of a producer so you can tell him like you can sell that in that right so it's it's tough and like but to without big boy they don't produce the same tracks so it's not like andre is could have done this on his own so it's that's the important part of understanding this that's when when people ask about my favorite mcs i always say or mcs top five it i always just say outcast because big boy did just as much for me as dre and separating them is not doing them justice because they do complement each other so well, so well. But that's a, I mean, I think that's a great, uh, that's a great song. It's nice. It's, it's, it's interesting. I could tell you had a hard time coming up with that because that's like one of their bigger songs. So to make that top five, that's like, you've had to have like tossed and turned about that. Yeah. And the other thing is I wanted to touch on the beat because I think lyrically this is carried lyrically, but the beat is so important on this because it's not a banger. And it allows the storytelling to actually come forward. Like it's just, it sets the mood. It's like a dark, ominous feel. It's almost like a dream. Like this, the beat represents like a dream. And so you're hearing these lyrics and it flows through. And that is the art of this track. It is that the beat actually helps the lyrics come through and the clarity and, and the clarity of both of them is unreal throughout this whole album. Like everyone says Southern drawl, but like I can hear the Southern accent, but I can still hear everything that they're saying. And that yeah. is the, the compliment and the, the fine art of finding the right beats. And I'm sure you hear it all the time, but a lot of artists don't find the right beats for the right songs or they have a beat that's too loud or that their voices are turned down. Like they did not fuck this up at all. Absolutely. As uh, produced by Mr. DJ as well. He's the, um, one third of their of their earth tone three which that when they start handling their own production uh so i mean i think he did a he i think a lot of that very dream adjective is used a lot during this it all kind of sounds like you could have dreamt this if you would have put these if you would have went from the beginning of this album to the end and put it like in a cartoon or something and did like cartoon videos for each one being taught telling one story and then, you know, uh, ending on like Spodio Dopelish, like uh, all sounds very dreamy. Like, man, I think they capture perfectly Atlanta, the sound of Atlanta, the 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 content of Atlanta and the end of. Um, I mean, they use this beat at the end of the first season of the show ATL. And uh, when he's walking to I don't know if you've seen that with Donald Glover, oh. but he's at the end, he's walking to his final destination and. Uh, and there are they use this beat just the beat alone because it's like very resolving, it it resolves it. And it was uh, remix as well by J Cole in 2013, Land of the Snakes. So 
that yeah. so when we said impact it was used 15 years later by j cole one of the That's greatest true. again one of the icons of hip-hop today so just understanding that influence across time is so important and even and i just wanted to touch on we said that iconic line but even the two lines after that are, are so evocative it made me think for a minute then i looked in her eyes i could have died time went on i got grown rhyme got strong mind got blown like that is like just it literally is being young it's like that that moment stuck in his life for the rest of time yes it's like he it, he just epitomizes what it is to to be a young person and and for him in his life that he lived it and then he never forgot this. Yeah, it's like after your she's he's telling stories about I love I love the line where he says um uh what is it uh and then um. Oh, I can't, I can't find it, but saying, um, it was more like spend the night, but it was slummer. Like it is like a, a summer middle school, high school friendships where you're still just like kind of figuring out, you know, um, figuring out how to socialize, developing these friendships and these relationships, middle school, high school, you think they're going to last forever. Everyone goes away to college, everyone gets jobs. And then you come back home. He came, he went to be an MC, came back. And then you see, it's almost like coming back home to your hometown after everyone's been gone for five years, you haven't spoken to anyone, but it's now everyone's an adult and then to kind of see where people end up. And I think everyone can relate to that. Right. Yeah. And it's literally the two pathways of like, you see someone that you think is going is amazing. Like you watch someone who answers a question like this and you're like, they could be anything, but then you see how their life actually turns out and she passes away young and you know, it obviously affects you. It's like, I think everybody has that of like, yeah. we all know someone who was more talented or more gifted than us, but for whatever reason, they just didn't end up in the right place, the right time for whatever reason. And it's like, oh, it's just yeah. sobering to think about. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So there you go. That is track number five. Imagine that we dive in deep track number five. And it is one of the classics, the art of storytelling part one uh how about this if you had to guess my next track i mean it's going to be an impossible guess i have have no idea all right maybe i'll guess i'll have i'll get you to guess uh my number one track when we get to it but uh my number four track is track seven slump okay so deep cut i know it's not one of the the iconic tracks but yeah tell me why you like it this hit my ear straight away because of the sample that sample is unbelievable the soul sample in there and i am a big sucker for a soul sample this fluctuated from number one to to it fluctuated all over because literally there is just nothing better than this it's just so lovely like that's what it is it's just lovely i could listen to the sample and the beat alone and then everything else is like a bonus yeah i mean it's very famous uh even in that movie neighbors i think neighbors one or neighbors two that movie with uh i remember it's t uh i don't remember but it's the one where it's like the frat kids move next door i forget who's in it 
but they're like calling the families calling the the police on the on the um on the frat and that's when they're like you know you got to say hootie who when you see cops and then he's <laughs> like and they start rapping the verse. It's very comedic. It's very funny in this. But they both just start going, you know, and forever hollering hootie who when we see cops and they're fucked up, but they're about to call the police. So holler hootie who when the police are coming. And that's like a thing. That's like a thing. Even my friends say that like every well, the, time. The, the funny thing is, I actually can sometimes I can't help myself, but also go hootie who. Yeah. <laughs> I like I can't help myself. It's so catchy. Like, yeah, it just it. It's it just works with this song so well, and that intro as well, "Baby Gotta Eat," sets yeah. the tone of like what this track is going to be about. And interestingly enough, Andre is not on this track. No, and, it's just Bone and Cool Breeze, and they kill it. Um, yeah. You would think that all my top five will in- include Dre, but this hits because they they do a fantastic job just from the hook from the the bars literally everything works and um there is so much content here like there is so much i could have picked every verse from all three of them and literally just gone just listen to the verse and you'll get the contact but um i loved backbone he was talking about uh, like the challenge of dealing with racist cops um and his voice and delivery was so good um and i'm gonna quote and Please don't judge my rapping skills because it is not good. But uh, slick with fin to lick on the corner without getting caught. But time, keep asleep and the money gets short. Plus that crooked cop, Brock, think we blow slanging. But why? that why he rides through the hole with those dolls swinging. See, not great. But go just like it doesn't do it justice. Like just the complexity of the the rhyme scheme, plus the c- contextualized of corrupt cops actually going after African Americans. This just all hits you in the feels. Yeah, right. It's crazy. And he, he he later his big debut. He he put out one major label album album called Concrete Law. His solo album. The first single was "I'm Still Bucking Like Five Deuce Four Trey." <laughs> so he sampled the end of that hook where he goes, you know, I buck back twice like five dudes faux tray. That ended up becoming his lead solo album single, which was a, I would say it was a minor hit. I think, you know, I don't know the numbers, but it was, uh, I remember the video. I remember, you know, it was pretty impactful, especially his like, so he even like went back to, to this verse to highlight the end of this very iconic verse because he came out and like, 2002 i'm assuming 2001 so the album had made such an impact whoever did that was like yo we should go back to your verse on equimini and make that the hook which he did yeah i mean and i can see why because it is just so good and then i actually think big boy takes the cake on this though i think big boy's verse is the best verse on this and i think this is almost a a good track to go to if you want to see big boy skill set without comparing him directly to Dre. Right. Because I think that is, and we talked about this already, but I think that's his challenge is he's always compared to someone who is as a skill set, one of the greats and big boy shows that comparing with literally anybody else. And he's above them in terms of as an MC. And he, he talks about some real shit. Like he talks about the risk of drug dealing. He's talking about, you know, 
when the people around you when you're cashed up and then the the trap of people being around you and, and the challenges around drug dealing and then he also talks about the three strike policy of and how that really changed the the social and and kind of the the contextual landscape for people in that lifestyle because they were getting put away really quickly as opposed to before so the the cool thing about this album is how far they go in terms of talking about and the undertones throughout the whole album of what life is really like at that time absolutely they capture it perfectly and and yeah that that those bars of had determination and graduated now i got the whole rap world fascinated i wanted a piece of the pie for me and my family so i made it Continue to sell dope. It's paying the bills. So you're going to do it. But legislation got this new policy. Three strikes and you're ruined. Now where your crew at? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't remember where the three strikes. I think that was Bill Clinton. I think he's yeah. the one that did that when he was in office. So he got elected in like 92. So it's nice. So they would be directly feeling the effects of this uh, legislation that was passed. So he was in 92, I believe. So he's there for four years. And I think, yeah, I, I think that's when uh, you would be a couple of years removed. Definitely be a feeling, feeling the effects of this uh, policy set. Well, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't even, I like, I wouldn't even have even known that this was a new policy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, because that type of, and maybe it was on the news again, I have no idea. Like at that age, like I, I have no contextualized vision of yeah, and I don't understand. what the world and looks I mean, like. And who, uh, like, I don't know policies in Australia that are set. You know, it's like, it would probably, def- it was definitely in the news in Atlanta, in America and, and definitely um, affecting inner cities in America. But like, I, I doubt like Australian news would even be talking about like, here's just some policy set by the American president, right? They kind of do a more of an overview. Yeah, and there's not like a the 24-hour news cycle that there is now. Like, it's not like, right. like we see everything now. Like, anything right. that happens in the States, we get instant coverage on. Whereas back then, you know, we don't even have really emails at that time. Right. So yeah. it's not like, like... The, and you're a child, so it's yeah. like, definitely. Uh, I'm watching cartoons. I'm like, yeah, I literally don't know <laughs> what's going on. But so that track and Cool Breeze for me didn't have any quotables that I wanted to pull um, but tough in a five-star song for me to be like you know what I won't quote any of yours but this is without a doubt a five-star track the beat is amazing the hook is great and literally content content wise this knocks it out of the park so this comes in at number four slump all right all right bang there we go oh, we're, we're running down all right Track number three, uh, a track we've already kind of mentioned, but skewered on the Barbie, uh, yeah. featuring Raekwon. And it's not Barbie like barbecue, it's Barbie, uh, just to, to make sure everybody knows. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is such a good song. It's great. This is like, oh, I, I, I toyed with this being number one. I honestly did. Because every... MC has standout lines. Yeah, every every MC on this has, and I like uh I like the multisyllabic fact that Raekwon says like his it's very very Wu Tang 
adjectives, you know, like orange wallaby, you know, all like the always the very descriptive uh, adjectives in uh, in Raekwon's style traditionally, but he fits perfectly in the middle and he doesn't break the scheme for 16 bars, which is, you know, and it doesn't sound, there's also a thing in rap where if you want to sound lyrical, you'll chase the syllables. So if you have like three rhymes going, eventually you're going to, where it's not going to make any sense. You're just rhyming vowel sounds and, and trying to make the syllables fit his fit perfectly without trying too hard. And I think that's also something to be said about outcasts in general. And then like, it always seems effortless. Like it seems effortless. Like it sounds like they're supposed to be on this record. They never sound out of place, which is a plus because it's really, really hard as a rapper to always be. So all the songs that they left on the, now everyone just does a song in five minutes and puts it out. And it's just like, whatever, but they, you know, spend two to three years on one out on 16 songs. So there's probably a bunch of songs that were on the cutting room floor these are the ones like the best of the best. They sound like they're supposed to be on this record. Yeah. I mean, I recently had a conversation with somebody and my critique on them was they were releasing too much music because, and, and that sounds weird, but it's like, if you're, if you don't have that problem, you need to stop releasing and you need to find your best songs because at some point you aren't releasing fire every track. It's not no. happening and you need to that's the last cool. art of an album is how this sounds like, how does this album sound so chaotic? Every song is different, but then it sounds so cons- consecutive too. It sounds very, co- co- uh, cons- what is the word? Concise. Cohesive. Cohesive. Uh, it sounds very cohesive. Like that's an art in itself too. How do you make completely different songs that by themselves are very different songs? Like Rosa Parks sounds nothing like Spodiote, sounds nothing like Mamacita. How is it in the track listing, in the order, it takes you woven together by incredibly well-done skits too. That's a lost art. Yeah, no that's actually what I was going to mention. And I, what I love about this is the skits are at the end of the track. Yeah. Because if you don't want to listen to them, you can skip them. Yeah. But if it's at the start, it's such a pain in the ass. If you just let this album play, you'll catch them exactly where it needs to be. And that's another, it's like coming up with chapters of a book almost for this is like the book of their three, three to four year times period as young MCs still not making that much money too. Like they're still just like having faith, but developing their skill and then developing. And then it's like, this is a little snapshot of three years of their life. Yeah. And, and this is, and apparently there's a really cool story with this, that this is more like a, a happen a happen chance like it's not like they planned for Raekwon to come and, and do this versus like I think Big Boy ran into Raekwon and yeah. he moved was... down to Atlanta he moved he lives in Atlanta oh does he I don't know if he does anymore but he's you know he was he's he always would come to Stanconia when I was there and he uh he's still cool with them that's why he's on another song with them on on later off of uh Sir Lucius Left Foot that album but uh Royal Flush he was on that album as well so continue yeah yeah and and you know the the thing was is like ray wasn't huge in atlanta and this made him go off the top like just because this album was so good this track is so good and the vibe is just so good this beat just is so good heavy drums and you talk about dusty drums at the beginning but and something i was going to say but i forgot to mention at the time was 
usually I'm critical of of albums that don't have drums that are heavy enough. But in this album, the drums are exactly how they're supposed to be because they yeah. don't hit too hard, they don't hit too soft, and with the other instruments, they blend perfectly. It's not out of place. Whereas now, what I hear a lot is like just heavy drums for the sake of heavy drums. Right. Now, uh, um, now you mean to be the old guy talking about today when you know, <laughs> you know, it's in your rap music, but uh, it's very hard to tell beats apart nowadays. Like, I don't think um, all these producers are just doing it on Fruity Loops. They're very quick. They all sound the same. They all use the same royalty-free samples. It's very rare where I hear um, beats that are so unique. Hence, you know, they all have live musicians and session players that came in to add their parts on this. You could tell that they spent a lot of time on, on not only the concepts of the songs, the hooks and the lyrics, but the music was, I, you could tell it was done over and over and they were looking for something, which is uh, something we no, that doesn't happen nowadays. Now it's just like, send me a hundred beats. Everyone sends the same beats. They all get leased or all the stuff. Now it's like a different, completely different game as opposed to having, we're going to have a production that's going to be solely this album. It's going to capture this album. You know, they're not writing a wave. They're not chasing radio. They're not trying to sound like anyone else. I mean, I mean, that doesn't even happen anymore. Yeah, I think this is the difference between making a classic album and yeah. making a commercial hit. Yeah, same because I think this album, as it was huge in Atlanta, but I think a lot of its success came later when our cast became bigger, and then people went back and were like, "Holy shit! Like this is this should deserve way more." And yeah that's kind of the the curse of like a classic album by artists who are not as big as they should be it was the first cowboy over the hill you're going to be leading the way it'll eventually be appreciated it'll eventually be copied it'll eventually but it's very ballsy to do at a point where they could have just rapped like anyone else to try to secure some money like i mean it's still you know it's still always a risk I guess that's what it is now. I think people are scared of the risk of like, like you said, and three years to make this album. And this was their third album. And, you know, they, for three albums in, it is fair for people to be like, all right, it's time for me to make some money. But they still were like, nah, what we're going to do, we're going to stay to what we know will work. And they, they just didn't deviate. And that, and you can tell, and this comes in like the, the first, lines of on andre's verse the common denominator the end numerator never know the hate who the hater and cater for your ego like I've, i'm always a big fan of hitting hard first bars that flow is unbelievable like like it's kind oh, of it feels so good like yeah. you just can't help but smile because it's like Technically, it just flows so lovely. And I'm so annoyed because I can't sing the full lyrics of it, but it sounds so goddamn good. Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of even in that one line. So you said two bars, even in the second bar, you never know who the a- hater because people cater to your ego. Like, yes, man. Like how to come out the gate like that. He has so many lines in this. I always like the um uh the ending line. I'm sure you were gonna say that too, but uh uh 
Uh, when you step off in the party, women jump for joy. All the while, people screaming, they're going to jump you, boy, for spitting all that bourgeois. My watch, my car. I'm a star, but I'd rather be a comet by far. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> it's it's just crazy. Like, I just it just it just makes me rethink everyone who you think is good. Good. That's what's supposed to do. I'm glad it's supposed to do that. So now the the argument would and I think it's beautiful that this is over 20 years old and you're hearing it for the first time and getting the exact same appreciation that well, maybe not the exact same that I did when I heard it because I was younger as well, but I definitely in in my early 20s and appreciate it more. Yeah, because this is a mature album. Yeah. This is not a, you just listen to it. Like this is, you actually have to pay attention. And I'm, I'm actually really happy that we did this because it forced me to sit down, read the lyrics as I listened to the song. And yeah. I'm like, oh, look at all this shit I didn't catch when I was yeah. just listening to it. And Raekwon's verse, I'm going to try my very hardest to try. It's like halfway through, but he kills this. This is like a masterclass on delivering your rhyme scheme. Yeah. Like this is how you do it. And this is arguably and could arguably his, be his best verse just in terms of technically what he delivers. Like, And he did exactly what a feature is supposed to do. You come in, you leave, you make an impression, you don't take away from the song. You just add to it and then leave. And like, just, and this is a shit version and the rhyme scheme is still good. Fly ride through shit, looking wild dope, then glide you, flipping through the page I go. Watch 5-0, jump on my meat, ride slow. Watch those undercovers, cop those, rock those, glock blows, leave them baggy and collect, spot closed, keep a watch froze, lean on the yacht, wash clothes, let the chop blow, bag a half block, plot grows what? It's like, yeah. God damn. Yeah. Every single time, like literally I wrote, whoo, God damn. That is the <laughs> only thing that I had. He murdered this from, from start to finish. He murdered it. And then big boy, he comes in with his uh, delivery. Like, and the, the, my favorite part of his is the first line he delivers. Boy, I bust raps like D boys bust gats shit. I just love the feeling on that. And the beat drops out too. So I bust raps like B-Boys bust gat shit. We the type of people that don't bury the axe or the hatchet and the drums come back in. That's fire. It separates everyone. And again, about being unique. This is like everyone has their place. Everyone has their style. No one is forgettable. Like there's no forgettable moments on this, but everyone is so unique. But even in their uniqueness, they cater to each other and they're equally good, right? Equally good. And there's not one. And I mean, to even speak on their first album, getting four and a half mics in the source, when he says on this one, which is almost prophet, prophetic, prophetic, prof- what is the word for, yeah. for a prophet? Yeah, like a prophetic, prophetizing. Yeah. On this album, he says, uh, I got to hit the source to get my other half a mic because that Southern playlistic Cadillac music was a classic, right? And then this one got five mics, his other half of the first one his Southern playlist, it got four and a half. This one got five mics. It's kind of dope. I wonder if they knew how good it was that they were like, I wonder if they listened back to this or at the time they were like, this is amazing. Like, I wonder if they truly knew. It was such an uphill battle at that time. Like the climate of music, the climate of being Southern MCs, the climate of everything they've been through there. Each album sold double of what the last one did, which is something to be said too. Like even up till, um, speaker box level low 
it like Stanconia did 5 million. The la- then the one after that, their last one did 10 million. Like each one is doubled. They're kind of seeing it as young kids and growing up. I, I can't imagine them saying this is, you want to believe I'm sure, but I can't imagine them just with the cards that they were handing handed and their um, uphill battle for years while releasing music, being artists fighting for the respect to be mentioned in TV shows, to be mentioned in these interviews with BET and to be, to be like, to, to compete. It was really hard, you know, cause this was 98, 97s when Puffy came out, you know, the shiny suit, um, his mash, like uh, no way out. So it's like, these are the things they're in the midst of. So I, I think they probably know it's dope. And there's so many people that they're playing for that they, I can't imagine them thinking the impact, like we know this is going to get five mics in the source and we know this is going to impact hip hop forever and change the scheme, this, the, the scene for Atlanta. That would, that would be very uh, hard to imagine. See, I reckon you would imagine it, but you wouldn't believe it. Like, it's like, you probably can't imagine the affecting hip hop the way they have, but, you know, just imagining that everybody loves it, like, I have that imagination about this podcast where I'm like, imagine if everybody loved this. Right. But yeah. it's not like it's not like I think that everybody will, if that makes sense. It's not like I'm like I'm not turning around and going, I'm I'm dropping fire shit. I'm like, I need to get better, but just the dream, just the feeling of what it could uh, yeah. be. Absolutely, man. I mean, this is another classic song. It's their second single. So if anyone's listening, go watch the video. The video's great. It's just a live video at the tabernacle. Again, like my favorite. And the only time I've ever played that was with Big Boy. So that was like kind of cool. The only time I've ever played this um, venue was with Big Boy. I've always just been like a spectator. How was he there? Like, did you ask him about being there before? I can't remember. It was just so hustle bustle at that time. Well, we flew in, did the show and then flew out because we came home for the night to do Atlanta. And and then it was, I know, I remember my manager being there. He flew in from Austin. But it was, uh, I do remember the legendary moment of like, damn, I remember seeing this skewed on the Barbie video on the same venue. It's wild. Remember this moment, click. Yeah. Have snap. that in the memory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that passes to, to my number two track really well. We talked about one of their, one of their singles. This is another one, probably the most iconic single, Rosa Parks comes in at number two for me again i contemplated putting this in number one it literally fluctuated between four and one for the past week i didn't know where it would fit but it came in at number two uh at the end and again i mean this is has so much there is so much to talk about in this between the symbolism and the story of rosa parks um and what she did for the civil rights movement and then you know the 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 literally the southern feel in this song. This song is southern. They're, like you hear it and you're like, "What is a southern song?" This is it. Like this yeah. is what it is, and it's crazy because it's southern, but it's not like hillbilly southern. But it kind of is at the same time. Like the banjo, just, yeah. or the like, banjo and the harmonica for sure. It's it's just crazy, um, and. I mean, I just cannot get enough of this song. And the hook is so catchy. I have hushed that fuss. Everybody move to the back of the bus. It's just so good. Like, it just it makes me smile. When I was a kid and this was the first single, 
I was in fifth grade or sixth grade, I remember. And on a field trip, we were all singing that song, not knowing the meaning of Rosa Parks going the historical aspect, just the song was everywhere and that we were actually on a bus and then and then we were all going to the back of the bus and we were all saying that like in the back of the bus, not knowing the the meaning of it, but that's how much of an impact. I just remember a bunch of sixth graders singing this whole song on loop, going to a field trip. <laughs> it just shows that you can actually really educate people through different means. Like this song teaches you a lot and you 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 may not be aware of it and then the more you listen to it the more you're like actually holy shit this has so much to it and that's kind of the power of music and the power of hip-hop in in particular because there is so much density in terms of the lyricism that is available in just hip-hop in general yeah absolutely i mean i still to this day and my girlfriend just we we moved i moved back to atlanta my girlfriend moved to atlanta for the first time but every time someone says atl georgia what do we do phobia bulldog and hoes like them georgetown hoyas which is a college georgetown hoyas but like uh hoyas but uh him saying you know atl georgia what do we do phobia that's been like anytime someone says atl georgia everyone says like what do we do phobia it's that's how like led how iconic it's become and turned into at least with my shitty friends. <laughs> I mean, it should it should be with my friends, but uh, uh, there's, there's so many here. Like, there's so many that, like, I'm just like, oh, I, I want all my friends to always start saying that. Uh, yeah. There's just so many quotes that, I mean, the the only kind of down, the, the, the sad thing about this is there was obviously a legal case where uh, our cast was actually sued, um, where it was like Rosa Parks versus the, was it LaFarge or LaFace Records? I don't know how to say Face, it. Yeah. LaFace Records. Um, yeah, so LaFace was L.A. Reed and Babyface, and they came together to make LaFace in Atlanta and signed TLC, you know, signed Outkast, signed uh, done, uh, Goody Mob, done some very big things. But it was basically L.A. Reed, L.A. La, and then Babyface coming together and making LaFace Records. Yeah, and so obviously the the there was a case um and her family actually said afterwards that they 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 said uh dementia or not like rosa parks wouldn't actually go to this length to try and hurt artists of the world so this is this is obviously conjecture but it could be the wrong people whispering in her ear i mean that's what it was that's what it did come down and i know that from behind the scenes too uh it was i mean because they also side note they got sued a bunch by everyone thinking miss jack every miss jackson under the sun sued them because they thought it was like defamation when it wasn't so they were what by the time i came to to work with big um i think they were just like finishing every other year is like another miss jackson who does some case against outcast so i i think that um this was though i believe some um it was she did have dementia and um it was, I believe, paraphrasing allegedly, um, that it's it was like some of her nephews that were taking advantage of her situation to sue this successful group and get a bunch of money. You know, she didn't have any idea, honestly, which is you know, this elder abuse, in my opinion. Like that's yeah, but they were taking advantage of that, and then it ended up fizzling out in court. Sucks though, because they gotta spend a bunch of money and they're still, you know defending this shit yeah and 
it is it is just it's so weird to think about that people would try and go after artists who made music just like they're not they're celebrating this they're not having a go they're actually celebrating what rosa parks did and they're celebrating and they're literally it's like paying homage they're literally just paying homage and it's just disappointing that it was just a cash grab rather than anything else it's also like I don't, I don't know the history about it, but when he goes, uh-huh, hush that fuss. Everybody move to the back of the bus. Do you want to bump and slump with us? We the type of people make the club get crunk. That was the first time I ever heard the word crunk. That later became a whole genre, Lil John, a decade later. But I never had heard the word crunk in anything. I don't think they made it up, but I had never at that point in my personal life ever heard the word crunk. crunk. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> but now it makes sense. Um, and yeah, and we kind of already mentioned the beat, but this beat is like, I literally picture the Dirty South. Like when people say Dirty South, this is what I picture. And like the harmonica, the the vocal sample, the, the guitar in there or the banjo. Um, like this is a beat that I thought I would never like. And I right. loved it. Like if someone was literally just going, hey, show me the pieces to this. And they started mentioning banjo, harmonica, and I'm like, mm, maybe not. Yeah. But then you listen to it and you're like, oh, yeah, this is definitely for me. I mean, they do a similar breakdown at the end, but this also um, displays their musicianship. It's not just 316 verses, eight bar hooks in and out. They actually take the liberty to do a full banjo breakdown, like in a traditional like hoedown, like in like some country ass shit. But when you watch the video, it all makes sense. Everything. This is the first time Dre came out looking really weird. This was their first single. And he had like the he had no shirt on, football, American football pads, fuzzy pants. And I just really, really going for it. Right. This is like now we just know Andre is very eclectic and hit with his fashion sense. But this was like the first visual off of an album from a group you hadn't heard for, from in two years so this was what they went with and uh, they always do such a great job of you know they tried to like uh and the at aliens they tried their second album they tried to kind of gimmick it with the the player and the poet they tried to almost there were some posters i remember seeing it was almost just gonna be like we're so different and it seemed so contrived like a corporation was like you're the weird one you're the traditional black rapper guy i could just see someone saying now we can come up with some scheme uh it i don't think it didn't stick along it didn't stick around for a long time this album is when not only musically but visually they're so different but so exactly the same i can't this is where they really came into their own with this video was at being their first like set of visuals released well i think the title hits perfectly like equemini they found how they fit together like yeah. they're so different, but they just figured out how they as a partnership work. Let without... me just talk about let me talk about Dre's uh, verse during this. Oh, please go for it. Literally, I was I was getting to it, but you go for it. I'm so excited for you to go. Well, just because there's so many, it just I didn't mean to interrupt, but there is just so many parts to this exact thing. When he said, I I met a gypsy and she hit me to some life game to activate and stimulate my left and right brain. Say, baby boy, you only funky as your last cut cut meaning song you focus on the past your ass will be a has what has been it's just his way of being creative and saying has what uh 
that's one to live to, or either that's one to die to. I just throw it at you. Determine your own adventure. Andre got to her station. Cause it was on a bus, got to her station. Um, uh, here's my destination. She got off the bus, but the conversation lingered in my head for hours, took a shower, kind of sour. Cause my favorite group ain't coming with it anyway. Meaning this, the groups he's listening to, right. You don't want to be a has what or a has been. So he's like, uh, uh, but I'm with you because I know you're going through it anyway. So it's meaning like, oh, you feel the same way I feel. But anyhow, when in doubt, went out and bought it. I bought her out. I bought their album because I thought it would be jamming. But examine on the Flosky Wosky, awfully sad. It's costly. But that's all she wrote. Hope that I never have to be in that boat up Shit's Creek. It's weak was the last quote that I want to hear when I'm going down. When all said and done and there's got a, they got a new Joe in town. So the, it's just talking about the industry because they're probably processing like, yo, this is our third album. We've seen too many artists come and go. This is it. Like we have to deliver this album because I don't ever want to be in that boat that you're going through that i'm going through when the record player gets to skipping and slowing down but all y'all can say is them earn they crown like i mean come on come on but until then but until then that's like <laughs> top tier lyricism if i was going to teach a class to mcs on lyricism telling a story and then also not slacking on the syllable shit it's not just so mathematical radical it holds weight with the rhyme schemes he's chosen choosing right flips the flips flips the flow midway through which i do remember as a kid learning using him as a if you have if you notice he kind of does two to three flows in a verse per verse if i'm if i was trying to quantitize it and make it nerdy shit like if i was going to try to quantitize the way he normally raps he'll switch flows as opposed to like that one raekwon deliver this to your ghetto mafioso hydro and it doesn't change he if you've noticed dre will flip it up and then switch halfway through because i thought it would be jamming but examine on the flowski flowski uh, it's completely different flow than the first four bars do you know what it is he uses different length words. His vocabulary is really impressive. And I've I thought about this the other day with like Twister and Buster Rhymes and how they sound in terms of fast. Like I think Twister has always used longer words and Buster has used shorter, punchier words. But the strength of, of Dre in this is that he uses longer words, shorter words and different rhyme schemes. So it allows him to switch the flow and it's he doesn't it's pay seamless. attention to the to the, the system you're supposed to do especially coming off the 80s it's very like uh i went down the street and i bought uh, you know it's like yeah. it's very old school he has a way also where he'll connect the last bar but continue the story and connect it to the first rhyme in that one and i do remember noticing that early on when I was trying to learn how to rhyme, he it's basically his genius is in that you can tell he doesn't give a fuck about a format. It's all, I would not be surprised. I don't know this, but I would not be surprised if he wrote it in poems, like, cause it doesn't have almost like he almost makes it fit on a beat, not sacrificing the integrity of the verse, the subject of the verse, not chasing the rhyme. No, I did this. I got to do that. He'll literally change a phrase. You focus on the past, but your ass will be a has what? It's not even a word. Your la it just rhymes with last cut, but he, we, we know you'll be a has what or whatever has been. That's not even a word. So he's making his own 
just I don't know. I, I just it, uh, like I it, it. It it language wise doesn't even make sense. If you right. were standing in front of a classroom going, yeah, he was uh, has what and the what? What the hell are you talking about? It doesn't make sense. Right. But the art is like you're right that you know exactly what he's talking about. Right. You know what he means. And it makes sense because because I can't imagine them thinking, oh, shit, this is our third album. This is our first single. We might be that group. We might be that group. You never I mean, we we don't know. You know, they haven't had huge, huge success. They haven't had Puffy just sold seven millions off that debut. They hadn't done a fraction of that yet. Right. So it's like shit. And they're they got bills. I know Big's got a kid. I know uh, he that Dre done during this, he does end up having a, a child with Erica. So they're coming up to their mid, early mid twenties, thinking like, yo, something's got to give. Are we going to be fucking just a has-been group? Cause we could, it's, it's, you could tell it's all coming together for them. And he does such a great job of lyrically putting down exactly. I know what they're going through by listening to him, you know? Yeah. And there's, yeah, there's always something else. This is like another perfect song. And there are so many perfect songs on this. Like, right. What's your number one? Number one, I think it's not going to be one that people expect. But okay. number one, drum roll, The Art of Storytelling Part 2. Uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite ones. Well, I think, I, I like, I was listening to today again, and I was just like, it's so cohesive. It is a story rap. And I actually love, 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 love what they did with Andre. I love what they did with his voice. And they made it sound like he was at the end of the earth. And cohesively. Distorted vocals. And then to have Big Boy reference the distorted vocals at the end, the beat was very dirty and the vocals had distortion. Is back is like, it's just like, they knew exactly what they were going to do and the metaphors in this and just the storytelling. And the, the cool thing is it's the story, but the metaphor is all the way through it. And so you can have, it's like two stories happening at the same time. That's this like, is honestly, it's funny. This is like my go-to track on the album. I can't say I can't pick five. That's why I never, I didn't do this. You were, you did this task and it was hard, but I would go to this arguably being my favorite song as well. So that's, I, that's funny that you picked this one. It's a deep cut, no videos. No one ever really talks about this song on the album, not a single, but two, it's like, you know, two verses, no hook, but everything. I just, I, I think I copy it so many times before I reference this in like a lot of my vocals where at the beginning, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby, did you hear that? Yeah, baby, I heard it. Even during my vocals, I always at the beginning go, yeah, yeah. I've done that like so many times. People don't really know where it's from. It's from this exact song. Yeah, well, I, I, to be honest, this is not how it, this was not planned at all. Like, as you can see, the surprise on both of our faces. But I love that the fan and the rapper, we came together and were like, this makes sense. Like, it. do, do you know what it is? It just shows that this album is so good because yeah. it's like any one of these could be in your top five. And there's a bunch, I have a bunch of other songs that could have been in my top five and we'll yeah. run through like quickly. I'm sure you have a bunch of other shit to talk about in other songs. Um, but this is just a masterclass and I love the piano 
in this. And the piano is so sad and it's just yeah. so like it's so rich with feeling. And that's what you get throughout this whole album. But I think this song really hits it. And when they are talking about the end of the world, it actually feels like the end of the world. Like, it seems like everything has just been like, I feel I get a vision of them like looking after the fact of like a, a, a an incident that had happened and leveled the playing field. And they're just like by themselves on a looking at the destruction and it's raining. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I love that. Like the story is almost like them trying to find each other to make the last song. Yeah. Like, it's like there's it's my, it's like me and you we're on opposite sides of the world. You're trying to find me. I'm trying to find you. And at the end you, we come together. That's the feeling on this. That's why I, I love it. it because it's like, and this is why I prefer this one to part one, because I feel like this has that perfect cohesion of like, they're trying to find each other. They, they found it. And, you know, big boys talking about how he's, you know, stabbing, making a path on the expressway, the best way I know how, like he's saying these things and they're talking about yeah. the, and the visualization. And he says, approaching the final exit, I'm thinking I see four horses and the four horsemen of, of death that's what it's referencing and so yeah. it's like the the visualization the the whole story they come together and no hook and the outro with the beat it's like an angelic godlike sample that they use or, or the voice and with the scratched with the scratches like i actually cannot get enough of this and as much as it's not upbeat at all this has to be one of the best songs ever like it is just so good and it's like to double back on what you're saying that is very true them meeting up them arranging it so imagine the world imagine like a zombie apocalypse and you got to go meet at the dungeon you know and and uh i'm on the phone dialing the dungeon hello bring the mp and the sp meet me at the center of the earth and travel carefully so being bring the sp 1200 the mpc meet me there and then him saying uh and then big doubling back on that we should be at the dungeon shortly uh ain't nobody on the port see approaching the final exits but i think i see four horses but you won't know until it's on yet that's them that's very um that's a great takeaway yeah and i think this is a masterclass on a song construction on they came with a clear vision you can see that this was a clear plan that i don't know how they came up with it that is a different question to ask but right. they had the same idea and they sat together and they were like how are we going to do this and both verses are equally strong because together this is and this is almost and this is the metaphor for the album together this album comes perfect Without those two parts, it is missing. And so Absolutely. this is almost like the perfect metaphor song for how the album works. It is dirty at parts. It is like mismatched. It's not perfect in terms of like, like we're talking about the drums. They're not as heavy as they could be. There are, they're obviously live music. So live music isn't perfect either. Yet somehow against all odds, it comes together and delivers this everything is tuned perfectly and that should be something to be said that everyone who wants to hit every note perfectly auto-tune everything sometimes your pitchy vocals sometimes it's more about the feeling you can't you know auto-tune takes away from feeling it really makes everyone sound the exact same so uh just robotically in tune uh theoretically and mathematically 
but there's something to be said about even like, you know, Etta James music or Temptations music when they had to do it in one take. And it was like the, the, the mistakes and the imperfections make it perfect. And I think that's like, uh, I think that's great. I mean, there are this specifically in Dre's verse alone, I've still caught on when he says, uh, I hope I'm not over your head, but if so, you will catch on later. And I heard that when I was sixth, seventh grade, listened to it in my teens, listened to my twenties. And I still catch things now. And he was right. I'll catch on later when I come through, when I go, when I'm their age, when I'm going through the stuff they're talking about, I understand it hits differently now that I'm in my thirties, you know, it's wild that he was even so prophetic to even think that I know I'm over your head. You'll catch on later. That's fire. Do you know what I love about this as well is his lines in this, the story of like, you know, hope I'm not then and followed by like, he goes, play the track. Guess she should make it. I guess she could not take it anymore. Raping her heavenly body like a hoe, coochie so from ends, constantly fucking her, never loving her, never showing appreciation, busting nuts in her face when they done. All about that earth. Is, that is all about earth. And that is before the movement and before we saw the real platform right. of earth come up and like, you know, about the way we are, you know, Treating taking its natural yeah. resources. And again, goes exactly back to line this is over your head now but you'll catch on later and literally the world to be able to personify earth as a woman so you're making you're giving her human traits the whole time uh mama earth is dying and crying because of you raining cats and jackals all shackles disintegrate the residue you silly mortals haven't a clue as to what the fuck is going on so far not raining cats and dogs, raining cats and jackals disintegrate the residue. Silly mortals haven't a clue of what's going on. Um, I mean, mama earth is dying and crying because of you, you know, like you're just user up. And I mean, 98 now, we didn't even have like a term for real climate change then, you know, there was nothing, but him just being so observant, probably smog, probably looking at the factories, probably looking at people just throwing litter on the ground being like, man, you know, and, and being in Atlanta, in New York, you kind of expect that. In New York, you expect that in the city, concrete jungle for real. Other than Central Park, there's few and far t- trees. But Atlanta, everything's 45 minutes away. And in cities, and then we're also in the woods. So it's very, he probably had like a, a, um, an, a, a connection to Mother Nature or walking out in the greens. You know, I have so much woods right in the back yard here new york they don't have that so i don't expect them to be talking about that you know yeah and and i love that last line who said good folks is not supposed to die yeah again so much meaning in that and it's just it this song just sits with you and again it is not a fun loving song if you want a fun loving song you go to rosa parks it makes you feel good it's upbeat it's like but this is to me 101 song construction 101 how to tell a story 101 how to blend two verses together while keeping a cohesive piece and it's honestly perfect there is no critique on this track i love that i use distortion on my vocals so much now because of this song directly has influenced me on how i record because i love the distorted vocals i wasn't really being done back then either everything again is puffy shiny suits 80s samples take hits from the eighties, you know? So like this album, this is the same year Mace's debut album came out. It's still like 
very polished and dancey. And then this one to have no structure, distorted vocals and just spitting lines that are holding weight in, in these, in you can break down each line more than we even did, but in these lines hold so much weight per line. It's, it's insane. And we so didn't even break down big boy. Like it's a short song, right? So it doesn't even feel like a short song because it's so chaotic. There's so many deconstructive elements to the bars. You forget there's two verses and there's no hook. <laughs> yeah. And a long outro, which I ordinarily hate, but I loved it here. Like I, one of my big critiques is like a minute outro. And I'm like, oh, just end the song already. But this song is not one of them. This song, I'm like, keep it going. Like I don't want it to end. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And that's almost what I was like for the album. But I had a bunch of other songs that didn't make my top five that could have made my top five, you know, just rattling them off. Return of the G, Equemini, Synthesizer, Spotty Oppie, Dopalicious, Liberation. Wasn't in my top five, but uh, it, it probably would have never made it. But I just wanted to say that that song is like, it's just a Zen song. It Which is. Uh, liberation oh liberation literally i was going for a walk and i was walk and i was listening to this album and when this came on i started thinking about something else it was almost like i was in a trance and i went with my brothers to go see my cousins and they were tired and i was like i reckon if i put this song on they'll fall asleep they literally both fell asleep and as soon as the song changed they woke up it is yeah. that type of song. It is just so relaxing. It's soothing. It's like good for the soul. Um, I mean, and my favorite beat on this has to be Spotty Oddy. That is my favorite beat. And still didn't make the top five because this is just filled with, right. with five-star killers. I think Spotty, it was the first time I had ever, so I'll just work back on some of the stuff I have, the songs that you haven't had. I think Spotty was the first time I had ever heard a story spoken word on a rap song. I, I can't remember and 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 it not being corny, right? So it's like you were saying do some spoken word over this. I would have been like, there's no place for that. But it works so well. It's the first time I ever heard the word trap in a in a rap song. Now trap music, you know what a trap is. A trap is basically, you know, it's just that a trap go marinate on that for a minute like when he says that meaning you're stuck in a cycle his his uh, big boy's observation of uh get it yo um uh now now you're with someone's daughter raising your own family like that's what do you say that's uh that's a beautiful thing um but uh that's that's if you're on top of your game and man enough to handle real life situations that is you can't gamble feed uh you can't gamble feeding a baby on dope money. It might not always be sufficient until the United States Postal Service won't call you back because you have cloudy piss. You failed a drug test. Now you're just back. Uh, so now you go back to the trap and it's just that trapped. Like that is so deep on, on describing being young. He's obviously having his first kid. It's your one, your one, your, you know, one, he even says one moment you're frequenting the booty clubs and the next four years, you and daughter, you and someone's daughters are raising a young and on your own. Can't imagine. I don't have a child, but I can't imagine being that age. First, you were just out smoking presidential weed, going to the clubs, frequenting the clubs. And then now you have a family. These are real type situations. 
like uh and they did yeah. it so eloquently on it you had the same bars i actually put the same bars down for for mine because like and the thing is i'm not usually a fan of spoken word rap like i'm all spoken word poetry because part of what i like is like the flow but yeah. this is just so good there's so much message here and yeah. I was actually looking forward to the breaks where the trumpet hits. Like yeah. I'm actually, it's so weird for me to say that I was actually looking forward to there being no message, even though the message is really good because I just want to hear the trumpet. And it's like this, this album as a whole makes you appreciate so many different instruments way more than you would have. Otherwise it like it is a true Testament to you trumpet doesn't isn't exactly what i call sexy you know what i mean but in this it is and it's like damn it's almost like i want to be able to have beats like that i want to be able to listen to trumpet like that like very i love sleepy brown's performance on this unlike the last song it doesn't go straight in brings up the bridge damn 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 james very iconic very iconic and sleepy brown gives it space to breathe with his melodies as always great great voice but then letting them do spoken word on beat that it doesn't sound like spoken word but it is because like i said there's a few small chance of making that corny then they just didn't do it absolutely it's just so good so yeah, that was definitely up there for mine as well. Um, I know Equemini is one of those songs for you that kind of blew your mind because there's the beat switch that we kind of mentioned and I'm sure you'll probably want to talk about as well. Yeah, absolutely. Equemini is the title track. Um, first time I've ever heard a song halfway through change tempos and change beats. I could have just made two songs. I have no uh, inside knowledge on why they did this or how they did it or i mean or why what was the reasoning behind it so dope on it though uh dre's second verse again completely breaks it down uh separate from his first flow and uh it being the title track you can tell the influence that kendrick lamar has from this song with the high pitch hook uh that like he does that little alien um even when the sun goes down, heroes eventually die, horoscopes. Like they were pitch shifting um, Dre's vocals up. Kendrick does this all the time now. It's almost like part of his shtick or not shtick, but it's part of his flow. But this is like the first time I had ever heard. I didn't know what it was. It was like, damn, they made it sound like an alien, which is like, I'm assuming that's what they were trying to do. That was yeah. not popular. You can hear, you can definitely hear like the the influence in Good Kid, Mad City. That's, yeah. that's what it is. That's like... And like you can start to understand when you listen to these modern albums and go, all right, now I actually start to see where it comes from. And yeah. to be honest, for me, it's like props. You did your homework yeah. because it works. Like or no it, was a big, it was such a big influence on him. You couldn't not want to do that. Just like how I go. Yeah. Yeah. Right before I start rapping. That's directly just because i love that fucking song when i'm about to go in and bust some fucking heads i want to just set the tone with dre saying like completely switching the rhyme scheme now he has a more straightforward chopping as as like uh raekwon does on skewed on the barbie when he says my mind warps and bends floats the wind count to 10 meet the twin 
Andre Ben. Now, welcome to the lion's den. Original skin, many men comprehend. I extend myself, so you go out and tell a friend. Sin all depends on what you're believing in. Faith is what you make it. That's the hardest shit since MC Ren. An alien can tend to blend with your kin, but look around because I swear I spot one every now and then. It's happening again. So like him being able to do that is another top 10 like master class in emceeing. To be able to do that and then make it where it's not reached. Still look around because there's people around you like they're aliens too. I swear I spot one every now and then it's happening again. It just sounds perfect. And it sounds perfect. Yeah. I, I cannot agree more. Like the only thing for me is like it just it probably just didn't hit me in the right way and the beat was too mellow. So that's why I didn't hit my top five. But yeah. again, like it there had to be some some cuts. Like there's only five songs we could choose, but there's way more five star songs than five. So um, you know, and Return of the G we touched on, that didn't make the top five. And that is and that is one of those songs where they just come out and they set the tone. They're like, this is who we are not apologizing for it. This is who we are. And this was on the back of all the rumors about on, on Dre's sexuality and about, you know, who they were as individuals and their relationship with one another. And they were just like, none of this, we're putting it to bed. It doesn't matter. And this is who we are. And just listen to the music. What a perfect, um, what a perfect intro, you know, Especially because he goes the fast. I'm feeling better than ever. What's wrong with you? You get down. Return of the gangster. Very unorthodox in all, in every sense of the word as far as, but perfect intro. Taking on those topics. What's wrong with Dre? Is he on, Is he gay? Is he on drugs? I'm feeling better than ever. What's wrong with you? You. Like that's not orth- orthodox. And I think that's when he started to, when he stopped drinking and he stopped uh I think he went vegan or, or vegetarian at that time as well. Yeah, so, vegan. so he was living literally the clean life. Yet yeah. the rumors were the opposite of like, and and again, it just goes back to, and we were talking about the LGBTQ, that didn't exist then. And so coming out and, and that conjecture is really but difficult to do. In Atlanta, they're getting it from all ends. Big Boy has to deal with everyone saying what's up with your partner man he is fucking weird is he gay is he on drugs like he's just being so weird he's not smoking he's not he didn't smoke he didn't drink and he didn't even even eat meat he talks about on at aliens on a song where he goes um um i i put the liquor down um i don't know to try to have my mind clear um or maybe he said that on this verse i don't know but what it is i don't well what i'm saying is that they're catching it from all angles. There's no social media. You can't just make a statement. You're seeing this group around town and Dre's just acting weird and was not really accepted. That's not really like acceptable back then. It was questions flying everywhere. If he didn't come as hard as he did on this album, it would have been the end of them. If he just came on some soft shit as an MC and not like if he would have done the love below approach on this album, with this much speculation, he had to bust heads with his verses. And you could tell he had something to prove right out the gate, return of the gangster. I'm feeling better than ever. What's wrong with you? You get down. You know, that's like he had to hit heads with this to silence the opposition. Oh, okay. He's just on some Jimi Hendrix shit. He's on some weird shit, which was not accepted as it is now. And the 
the follow-up to that is big boy backing him up. And, yeah. that, and he shows that in the verse. The, the first to buck is going to be the first we attack. Don't want that, but it comes through. Most of the time when you don't know, sticking together like flour and water to make that slow dough. We worked for everything we have and gone stick up for each other like we're brothers from another mother. And so... Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, Lethal Weapon. <laughs> and so it's funny. just... it's. Um, unbelievable and apparently this was i don't think big boy wanted this to be the first but dre was like no this needs to be the first one well they picked it was a great choice and again goes back to album construction and critiques that i've had over other albums that i've reviewed on this podcast is album construction and this is constructed in the perfect possible way there is no song where i'm like that should have been a different place Every single track is exactly where it's supposed to be and it's there for a reason. Nothing is out of place. Yep, I agree, man. And I got one more song. My only other song that I want to speak on, because again, if it's over your head, it's cool you'll catch on later, is uh, Dre's verse on the song Synthesizer with um, George Clinton from You had, you had mine. I actually, I, I have that as well as one of mine. Again, that was one of mine that was I was tossing up to throw in the top five. Yeah, I was thinking it's just so what he's saying then as far as like making everyone plastic, everyone being his verse. He's speaking from a woman, a woman's standpoint is a synthesizer. Mike will microwave me, pop me in, pop me out. I'm a clone. Pop me in, pop me out. Give me a drug so I can make seven babies. Pump my breasts up. Suck the fat up. Uh, please make my a life appear like ain't no such thing as bad luck. If that's not Instagram in the first four bars of now, please make my life appear like there ain't no such thing as bad luck. Make everything seem perfect. Every Instagram, everyone's life is better than yours. Get 100%. Um, my nose ain't right. I think I need a new one. Just take your pick, a yellow, red, black, or a blue one. Virtual reality, virtual bullshit. He came so off the top talking i mean this is literally our kardashian-esque uh era that we live in now with every instagram model you've never heard of as 1.5 million followers and these are the people that not the kids are are emulating whether you like it or not they're on instagram more than us the babies the teens so there there's only one way to to make it now um you got to be a youtuber i mean it really is just absolutely putting a microscope 20 years later on what we are now you know that is just insane to me and now tiktok is amplified that like i reckon i see once a week at least of a famous quote-unquote famous people that i haven't i i'm just not on tiktok so i just don't know who these people are but i see this tiktok star young between you know 18 and 25 killed themselves And what it shows is that this dream of fame and this dream of this is what you see is not reality. Right. Very good social observation as far as what he was seeing developing. Because even then, this is uh, late 90s. So plastic surgery just started getting around big in the early 90s where it was just like not crazy. But now, I mean, goddamn, everyone is a clone. He's talking about clones in this. Him, them, him to also say uh, uh, marijuana legal, but cigarettes cool is insane. That's like an insane thing. Now we've gotten on majority of 
America, not in Atlanta, but it will be eventually federally legal, meaning like, damn, we got cigarettes, we got alcohol, this is poison, it's literally poisoning you, but that's celebrated and something from the ground isn't because of some, you know, racism back in the day on how they were perceiving jazz smokers with jazz cigarettes and they're just, you know, you're going to take advantage of your white children or something, you know, they were literally that, uh, that um, propaganda was so rampant that doesn't even make sense then well it's still it's still legal here and and i'm not like i've smoked weed like once and it fucked my lungs like i'm I just don't like smoking it's just i've never had a cigarette or anything like that so but like i had this discussion with my family and it's weird because i got two younger brothers and my younger brothers are like me they're like the arguments for legalizing weed are way stronger than the arguments for allowing alcohol like because it's so strange the things that we decide are legal versus illegal and for what reasons like you know what i mean at the end of the day everything in moderation like if you smoke too much it's no good if you drink too much it's no good so his observation his observations are clearly the reason what we allow now is based on historically systematic racist shit especially well in america too where you know the plantations were growing cotton hemp marijuana root that you could they were putting they were threatening the plantations so they made that legal illegal so you couldn't grow weed to get it's an all binding it's like uh when native americans say we use every part of the buffalo you know there's the uh cannabis plant is so uh important you can do it everything with it whether it be the mind altering stuff the cbd for pain management we would rather much be put on oxycontin and percocets that are and legal heroin because it's legal but we're not allowed to do use pain management by a plant that you can literally not overdose on you can't die from has no long-term effects on your body look at everyone who is a junkie now because of oxycontin in the early in the early 2000s that have such gone you know and that's just another it's just realizing it's deconstructing the corporations the lobbyists and what they have together with the laws that make it for us to operate and live in this world is based on just some fucked up shit in the past that that you're just like oh it's illegal and it's just like well has anyone ever questioned that like why well that reminds me of a movie requiem for a dream and That is, if you want to watch a movie about drugs, that is yeah. one that sits with you. I've never, I only watched it once because it fucked with, I was like, this is so dark and so, but so good at the same time. Like it just shows all the different angles. If you notice, there's no weed in that movie. Uh-uh. So opiates then turns to heroin. And then it also shows that drugs are not a victimless crime. You know, it is, it affects everyone around you. And if, and then that's a great movie showing that how, the drug addictions can affect from the mom to like it can affect it just really just uh really weighs on you know uh everyone surrounding you and everyone that loves you which is uh honestly if you just allowed weed it's crazy i mean it's going to eventually be if you just allow marijuana to be legal we wouldn't we have so much deficit tax it just like alcohol i think yeah. that al- that's why a lot of the budweiser's bush I don't want to go on down this whole thing, but this, uh, that's why they're all investing into cannabis companies now because they realize, Oh shit. If everyone can just go to the store and buy a joint, no one's going to be buying liquor. That's why they're all investing in. Cause when's the last time you heard someone kick the shit out of their wife? Cause they were high. No, they're just drunk. Yeah. I mean, 
the stuff that directly relates to alcohol is like terror, tear downs families, but it's a money-making business, you know? Yeah. And to be honest, I'm like the, everything, like you, you can regulate it as an industry, you can have industry standards, you can do all those things. And those are good things like, but anyway, back to, to our cast and equipment. and the, I also had a quote from this and it's like, uh, synthesizer preachers can reach you up in the pulpit who bitch give me a get so i can smoke this tell his mama not to cry because they can clone him quicker then it took him then it took his daddy to make him biden verbatim thought provoking records radio never played him instant quick grits new improvised hurry hurry rush rush world on the move marijuana illegal but cigarettes cool i might look kind of funny but i ain't no fool yeah and it just it just shows everything and they're talking about the music industry they're talking about this quick life that everybody wants and it's just been amplified of like this quick satisfaction we always want the next hit the next fast thing in and out microwave me in and out pop me out you know clone me quicker they can clone him quicker it doesn't matter if he dies it doesn't matter we'll just get another one Great observation. I mean, I think you could talk about this album for years. You could honestly spend so much time analyzing it. And with time, it becomes more impressive. So at the beginning, you did want to know what my opinion is, obviously listening to it. Uh, what was it? 23 years later. Uh, the, the impressive thing is that the things that they talk about are the same things that we are going through right now. And yeah. if anything, are more evocative now than ever. And they were just ahead of their time. And I've said this about other albums, and this is almost hip-hop in general, is the upsetting thing is the problems that were spoken about in the 90s are still the problems that we have right now. And it's just disappointing because you hope that by this time it would be getting better and not staying the same. Right. I agree. I agree, man. I think it's a great, I mean, I I'm stoked you listened to it. Now you have a new favorite album or your new appreciation for it. I, I love that you were able to, to spend so much time in it. So I think it's masterclass MC uh, masterclass in developing an album. I could tell it took two to three years and there's something to be said that maybe most artists should put more time into this instead of just some i gotta get big on tiktok with a dance you know like there's a very adhd approach to music now that it's just in and out no lasting power um you know and also props to them because you could have been a one-hit wonders you could have done all this but you really took the time to develop a classic album that solidifies you 23 years later that you they're still revered as top tier mcs because they actually put the quality work in and the music and they did a lot of hard work and pushed the bar, pushed the envelope, pushed everything and took chances instead of playing it safe. So it's my favorite album. Everyone who's just listening right now and, and appreciates it or is maybe go back and listen to it. Maybe you guys can hear this podcast and be like, maybe I'll just give this another shot or just remember how dope it is and go listen to it. Cause yeah. Yeah. And I think that, if you and even if you do it on your own, just be like literally. You can open up Rap Genius and literally just see the words as they come out. It actually will help if you're not that attuned to listening to it. If you're not used to the sound, 
it will show you visually what is actually going on. You can actually see the song structure. You can see the track structure and you can see it all. But yeah, this was an absolute pleasure to listen to. And I literally in my Spotify, I reckon uh, this has to be now one of my most played albums purely because I listened to it so much um, just to, just to get the, the ear into it. But there's practically zero skips and it's very rare for there to be an album that you just listen back to front. This is one of yeah, those they don't make albums. them like that anymore. They don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> they don't. They honestly don't. Um, and this is why people say, you know, the 90s is the golden era of hip hop because of albums like this, because it is like the, and, you know, I can't wait for the next piece. I can't wait for the next album. This is it kind of just gets me excited. It's like, there's still so much to learn and I've loved hip hop for years and there's still Absolutely. so much. Well, thank you for having me on here, dude. And thanks for, uh, for taking on this task. No worries, man. Thank you for coming on the first uh, double guest, the first guest coming on twice uh, doing a full podcast, but I uh, appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts and also, uh, you know, giving me this opportunity to kind of talk about your favorite album with you. Uh, Cause it's, really rare and i hope uh we, we i did it justice and i hope that uh it doesn't leave anybody yeah. disappointed with my top five but if you've got a different different top five let me know lit hit up carl lucas tell him your favorite tracks if you can't tell he literally can talk about this for for days on end yeah, like this is <laughs> like it is just unbelievable but yeah thank you again my friend uh this was awesome all right man peace homie thanks for listening to the show please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.